Welcome back to another episode of My Life in a Poem podcast. I am your host, Angelina, and on this podcast, we discuss poetry, codependency, trauma, healing, and the tea behind the poetry. So if you like all of that stuff, keep listening. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of My Life in a Poem podcast. On this episode, I wanted to talk to y'all about my journey as a first generation grad student and the first person in my family to be on my way to receiving my master's degree. And I've shared with y'all before um, just my thoughts on the social work world and how I'm not really sure if it's for me and that I've got my new job in HR as a talent coordinator. So I currently do recruiting and I don't live in my hometown. So I've been kind of detached from my childhood friends and the people I went to school with. But now I work in my hometown and y'all, I grew up in the hood. I grew up, I came from a marginalized community and that is what drove me to do social work. And that is why I wanted to do social work. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people that look like me. I knew that I had drive and I had ambition. I probably also had some privilege with my mother having some college experience and being as brilliant as she is. And so she was a big motivator for me to go to college and to make more money than we could have ever made um, while I was a child and just to come out of poverty. So that's why I wanted to go to college and I wanted to be the person to help somebody else. But (laughs) started doing social work and realized that it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes people may have the drive, but don't necessarily have the wish and the will to help themselves. And a lot of times people just don't want to help themselves. A lot of times there are systems in place that stop people from being helped. And I haven't even finished grad school and it's burned me out. Just realizing the way that billing works, realizing that these behavioral health agencies are businesses at the end of the day. And it's just a lot of ethical things that have gotten to me and made me realize that I think I'm too sensitive for social work. (laughs) Honestly, you have to have a really hard, core and demeanor to withstand experiencing people's trauma and sadnesses and grief all day long. That stuff is draining. And I decided to take another route. Now I'm in human resources and I'm kind of dealing with the same thing. Okay. Now that I'm working in my hometown, I am seeing people I grew up with and I'm seeing them come into this entry-level position because I'm I'm a talent recruiter at a manufacturing company. So a lot of people that work there um, maybe haven't gotten their high school diploma or got their high school diploma and didn't choose college. And so they've gained a trade or they're going into this career field where they want to use their skills and build their skills. And a lot of people are people that I grew up with that I'm seeing that, you know, it's been six years since I graduated high school and we took a completely different career path. Now I'm in a position where I'm hiring them and we're the same age. Y'all, 
<laughs> that shit is mind blowing. Okay. It's mind blowing. And I've been dealing with a lot just experiencing that wake up call that my route could have gone somewhere else. And that it's a lot of people that didn't make it to where I made it to. So it made me want to make this episode because I just wanted to share with y'all how I feel about marginalized community, social work, my role right now. And I feel like the best way to start this episode off is to let y'all see and listen to this clip of my favorite, favorite, favorite poet. Her name is Jasmine Mans, And this is my favorite poem by her. It's called, I Know You Didn't Mean to Kill Him. Now, there are a lot of trigger warnings in here, okay? It's the N-word. She cussing. She's raw. She's real raw. So if you if that's not your kind of thing, then I will fast forward. <laughs> but I am going to put that clip of that poem in right now. Here we go. They shot that boy in his left eye. Let the slide right towards his right eye. He only fly in terms that he just died because the nurse cut right through his polo shirt like, motherfucker. When you mix Hennessy, empty brown boys, and Wheezy, somebody will be made fresh. Now, y'all, Jasmine Mans, woo-wee, it's something so amazing about the way she spits poetry. And if y'all want to go listen to the rest of that video, it's on YouTube, Jasmine Mans, I know you didn't mean to kill him. And the thing that she says that stands out to me the most is, <laughs> y'all wonder why educated people don't come back to the hood. They try, they tired of explaining niggas like you. And man, like the whole poem is her giving empathy and sympathy to someone who killed her childhood friend. So she's basically saying, like, I, I understand where you grew up from. I understand where you came from. I understand the cold. I understand there was no snitching. I understand the street cold that you live by. And she, she it's just a plethora of things that she does talk about and go through. So I'm, I just love it. Like, I love, I love her. I love the dynamic of this. I can say for myself, I've experienced a lot of imposter syndrome. And when I say imposter syndrome, I mean, I don't feel like I should be the gatekeeper of hiring and firing people in the role that I'm in. Like, I'm 24. My coworkers are twice and three times my age. So just to be this young and to be, to have so much power in my hands, to be able to give people job positions is mind blowing. And it's the same type of pressure of being a therapist. So when 
while I'm also in HR, I'm also interning as a social work intern. I am conducting therapy and I am conducting therapy with clients that are three times my age. And that's a lot of stress and just anxiety around, am I the right person for this role? Should I really be here? Because we know what people that are in my position look like. They're white. They're 45 to 65 years old, you know, and the world is changing. Like it's changing so much. Younger people are really filling these roles. And so I've just been dealing with my own, um, just, I mean, I guess we'll call it insecurity with, am I fit for this role? And I've been overcoming that by just meditation. That is my go-to. Uh, meditating on what it's like to be a provider. So I listened to Insight Timer and I listened to this one meditation and it's this black woman who's leading it. It's a guided meditation. And she talks about being a provider and how nobody checks on the provider and just kind of visualizing your day, day by day. And then also I listened to this meditation about being a strong friend, being a strong person. So just like, listening to things that uplift me, that validate my feelings, that validate where I am in life. And I've also been trying to develop friendships and a community uh, like coworkers or been watching other videos about young people that are just starting their career off in HR or people that are in social work and just outsourcing and finding as much information as I can about how do people cope with being in your 20s and holding space in a role that really wasn't made for you. Let's talk about that. That really wasn't made for you. Because I guarantee you when somebody came up with this role, they didn't think about 24-year-old Black woman. Another thing that's been on my mind is respectability politics. And y'all can let me know what you think, but... I don't know how I feel about addressing someone else as Mr. or Miss if that's not how the work culture is. So me growing up in the South, being Black, being female, I have um, been conditioned from a young age to talk to my elders, anybody older than me, right? Anybody old, old enough to be my mother, to call them Miss and to say ma'am. Well, I'm from the South. When I interned up North, when I did things up North, that was offensive. They didn't want to be called ma'am. They didn't want to be called miss. It was first name basis. And to call someone ma'am or miss was seen as disrespectful and you were calling them old. Well, in the South, if you don't do that, you're being disrespectful. So it's just kind of been mind boggling because I've been kind of navigating that space of talking to older white people and deciding if I want to call them ma'am or sir. And I honestly push more towards not doing it. I look at other people in the same roles as me because like I said, I'm one of the youngest people in my roles. I look at the people that are in the same roles as me and if they're not calling this specific person ma'am and saying sir and saying miss and mister, I'm not doing it either. Because... 
honestly, yes, it's a respect thing when we're when we're talking about black culture for sure. But at the same time, when you do that in the workplace and you're t- I'm, let's say I'm talking to someone who is three times my age, so they're 60 something and nobody else, people that are like in their 30s and 40s are not calling this person sir or ma'am or miss and mister. I don't do it either because doing that in a workplace, it kind of puts this idea of hierarchy. So like I'm inferior to you or my age is even a factor. And I feel like in the workplace, age should not be a factor. Experience should be a factor because I'm getting a master's and I'm in HR. I have classmates that are three times my age doing the same thing. There are people that were looking for the same position that I'm doing, doing the same thing. There are people that I'm hiring that are a lot older than me. And so I have taken a lot of pride and confidence with these roles. And I've been asserting myself as a professional. And a lot of times that does not come with sir and ma'am and um, miss and mister in front of somebody's name that I work with. It just doesn't. And I would like to know what y'all think. Please comment below. Let me know if you call your professional co-workers that are older than you, sir, ma'am, miss, and mister. I would really like to know. I would say that like in a grocery store or like if I'm out or I'm helping, I'm even helping a client that calls me ma'am or calls me miss, I will definitely call them ma'am or miss. I will, I give what is given back to me. I do not find any of those terms to mean respect. Somebody can call you ma'am and they can say uh, miss, whatever, and disrespect you in the same sentence. I do not associate those terms with respect, but I would love to hear what y'all think. Tell me what you think. Um, I feel like if I'm being respectful to you and I'm talking to you like a human being, I'm respecting your authority. If you are an authority figure and I say your name or I address you the way you introduce yourself to me, somebody says, hey, my name is Steve. Okay. Hey, Steve. Like, you're Steve. If it's Mr. Steve, okay, hey, Mr. Steve. I will respect what someone would like to be called, but my default is whatever they tell me their name is. And that's just where I am. I definitely noticed that it's a down south thing. It's a uh, cultural thing. And nobody has told me that they view how I address them as disrespectful. I'm also not a very disrespect. I'm not disrespectful at all. So, but I, I do get disrespected though. That that's what's so interesting. And I'm I'm not called Miss and Ma'am and you know, but I get disrespected too. So hey, I would really like to know what y'all think about those respectability politics in the workplace. Um, and I just wanted to share with y'all that poem. I want to share with y'all my thoughts, what I'm doing right now, where I am in my career because I am getting a master's in social work, but I'm in an entry-level HR position at the moment. So, hey, (laughs) I graduate here soon. I would love to do an episode where I show y'all my graduation photos, and I will definitely be coming out with another poem. So, I will see y'all in another episode of My Life in a Poem podcast. Bye!